All right, defense counsel may begin his opening statement. Thank you, Your Honor. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, in this case of the people versus the four horsemen of combat sports, these charges are outrageous and appalling. The charges brought to us are being brought to us by people like Dana White, John Jones, Floyd Mayweather, Skip Bayless, who are all insinuating defamation of character. Now, for those of you who know who these people are, you know that their word cannot be trusted. In fact, we're so confident in this case that the four horsemen are representing themselves. Of course, we have Josh is going to be handling all the physical evidence in this trial, at least the physical evidence that's not edible. We're keeping them away from that. <laughs> and, of course, we have Brian. He's going to be cross-examining all the prosecution's witnesses because he's been antisocial lately and we need him to talk to people. And, of course, I am leading the defense because these guys nominate me to be in charge of everything. So here I am. So, And not only will we be tearing apart the prosecution's whole case, but even on our side, we're going to be bringing in a character witness, Mr. Aaron Barr of Top Game. So, And look at that face. One of the most trusting faces, most handsome faces in that whole academy. How can you not take him at his word? Look at his hair. Exactly. <laughs> so, Your Honor, and ladies and gentlemen of the jury, you will see after all the facts have been presented, everything that is put on their podcast is the truth, and you will find them not guilty. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Horsemen <laughs> of Combat Sports Podcast. Wow. So, just so you know, I'm Joe. I'm Josh. I'm Brian. So, and we are doing a uh, cool little interview today with uh, Aaron Barr, who's a uh, jiu-jitsu black belt here at uh, Top Game, which is actually where we're recording right now. Can I just say real quick, you said, but right before we got started, you said the only law movie that you had ever really watched more than once was My Cousin Vinny. Yeah. I'm starting to believe it. <laughs> I don't know what that was, but I'm really happy that you're not a lawyer. I, if I had time to practice, I was going to do like a Southern lawyer too, but oh God, know, even worse. <laughs> I didn't get a chance to do that. At so. least you know what a Southern accent is. Josh doesn't know what an accent I'm, is, period. I'm barred from accents. <laughs> he is. I'm completely barred from accents. <laughs> but anyway, like, like Joe said, we are here at uh, Top Game Academy right now doing a podcast with uh, Aaron Barr, uh, one of the black belts here. One of the You're one of the homegrown black belts here at Top Game, right? Well, yeah. Uh, not Actually, no. No, I started uh, and got my blue belt under uh, Tim Mannon. In uh, Blacksburg, Virginia. Okay. Uh, so I came here as a blue belt. Um, not very long into being a blue belt, but I was a blue belt when I walked through the doors. But yeah, all other belts were from uh, Chris and Gustavo. So. Oh, very nice. Okay. Yeah. Good. I did so, not know that actually. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, the other guys that got their black belts just before me um, are all the homegrown ones from here. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But but thanks for having me, guys. Um, and, yeah. And no, do we appreciate it. it. And doing it here, I bailed on you once and then rescheduled <laughs> once. So. Yeah. If, if if anybody listening is wondering where that gap was in our recording over the last couple of months that was kind of why that was my fault that was my fault so for your true fans I, <laughs> Fair, I was busy it. too but I mean, yeah, life life happens That's, I, I, I think everybody was waiting for the interview ones because those seem to be our more popular ones cool so. well, i appreciate it so, so glad um, to be here yeah so uh just give us an idea as far as where you're born and raised and you know childhood stuff and just leading up to yeah absolutely so leading up to probably uh jujitsu right yep. so i'll mm-hmm. get to that pretty quickly um, I'm born and raised in Virginia. Uh, I grew up in the western part of the state. Um, grew up playing your traditional sports, you know, football, track, baseball, no real martial arts mm-hmm. um, at all. 
And um, I actually didn't even start until I was um, in graduate school in uh, Radford, Virginia. And um, I'd always seen the guys. I went to the gym a lot there just to lift weights and stuff. And I was in there one day being a college student. I was in there an off hour, so it wasn't busy. It was just me and one other guy in there lifting weights. And this other guy came in, and he was hell-bent on hanging upside down. From uh, from like one of those squat racks that it's attached. What are those called? Uh, uh, Smith racks. Yeah, something like that. But anyway, so he got all the way up to the top, and he had these gravity type boots. If you know what those are, that mm-hmm. like I know hook you on your ankle. He got yep. the hooks, and then he was too tall, so he'd go backwards, <laughs> and he wouldn't fit. And so he he went around trying to find all these on all these other bars across his gym. And there was one other guy in there, and we were just cracking up. And I didn't know him, um, and I got to talk to him. It was Tim Manning. Uh, he was a black uh, brown belt at that time under Henzo and ran the school there and invited me to a class that night. And uh, I went and got my ass kicked by a guy whose nickname is Bumpkin, who's down in Raleigh uh, teaching now. And uh, I was hooked ever since. So, yeah. yeah. Trained there for um, for about a year and a half, got my blue belt. And then, like we said, you know, I moved to Richmond for a job and um, – yeah, I got all of the belts here. So okay, yeah. so between, short version of it. Yeah, all right. So between Tim Mann and then of course Chris Mayhan here at Top Game, mm-hmm. uh, a couple of black belts you've worked with. Uh, who, are there any others that you really enjoyed working with, and who you learned from? That you know, I've always been I've always been lucky to pick good schools, um, and I didn't have a choice until I moved to Richmond. Um, but Tim was under Henzo. And Tim probably was the only school in town. If there were 20 schools in town, I would have picked Tim's. It's just a phenomenal, phenomenal academy. But I was fortunate enough that the only school in town, I think, of any notoriety was Tim's. And he was under uh, Henzo. So Henzo came in a few times um, while I was there, probably once or twice. Mm -hmm. And I got to train with him. So, of course, that was just gigantic. Um, and then I was lucky enough to come here and uh, pick top game and train with Chris and and get down to Gustavo and it, not really the black belts as much. But when I started, of course it was Gustavo, but it was the brown belts at that time, the guys with at Gustavo's home academy that were just above me because I was a blue and purple belt at that time, and um, they were just I was just always amazed at how good they were how all their games were really technical, tight, but very similar and built on the basics. Um, so th- those are probably the, the schools that I've belonged to, are probably the biggest influences um, of people that I've directly trained with. Mm. Yeah, so I've gotten a lot of stuff um, from videos, and, and it all you know goes off that. Uh, Kurt Osiander, Half Gracie, of course, all of Henzo's stuff. So I kind of try to stick to that that same basic uh, fundamental jiu-jitsu. Okay, so you stick to them in particular just for that reason. Their style, yeah. I just I just prefer that style. I always have, and I think that's you know just how I came up and how I spent my first year and a half. Um, you know, so yeah, I've always kind of gravitated towards guys with those that um, that that style. Okay. Yeah. So that, as your training evolved, did you end up starting to develop any like favorite techniques that you like to use as far as any positions or submissions or? Yeah, yeah. I've always liked uh, side control, top side. Mm-hmm. Um, that's always been a favorite position of mine. I like to go around for the arm bar from there and take the back from there. Um, but, you know, I've always really liked that position. 
you know, getting there and, and working from there. I don't know that um, my favorite positions have changed too much. Mm. On the bottom, I've always liked half guard more than full guard, um, and that's never changed. Now, what, what I do from there, sure, has changed and what I like to do from there. Um, and I've always liked standing guard passes. Recently, I've gotten into uh, leg locks from there. Josh and I have been working yeah, some stuff. Yeah. It's your fault then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, that's so, why. so, you know, f- from the positions, yeah, I've added to it and completely changed what I do. But my favorite positions, I think, have probably stayed there since probably about Purple Belt. Before that, I probably just didn't know. Okay. Yeah. So – now, besides jujitsu, what else do you kind of do to supplement your training? Yeah, um, I do a lot. I do a lot of um, a lot of yoga. Um, I try to do that. I try to make one of our black belts here runs um, uh, hot house yoga in Richmond. Um, and it has two studios here, so I try to get in there as much as possible. If not, I do it from home. I do yoga every day. Um, it's funny; people always ask me, you know. They figure out I do yoga, and it's weird that actually I do yoga more than I do jiu-jitsu because I do it seven days a week. Um, and then beyond that, I try to get uh, one or two you know, kind of strength training workouts in a week too, just basic stuff just to keep everything, um, you know, keep all the joints healthy and, and all the muscles around those healthy and active and strong. So it's all it, prevention, injury prevention for jiu-jitsu. I'm not in there trying to make any gains um, outside of jiu-jitsu, it's all to keep me healthy to be in here. So, yeah. So, um, what uh, tournaments have you competed in, and how did you do as far as uh, the competition side? I've competed a lot. I was actually looking at – I had I was cleaning out my garage the other day, and I have all the medals kind of stacked up in a box. Um, and I was kind of amazed at how many I had. Um, and, you know, sometimes you come in third place and there's three people, so you get a medal. <laughs> so some, yeah. some are for sure that, so I don't know how many were earned and how many were given. I typically gave the, the ones that weren't earned to my kids, um, so I don't know if they're in there or not. So I lost track. I used to try to just compete as much as I could at blue and purple belt. Um, sometime around brown belt, I guess, I had kids, so the competi- being able to get in shape. Right. For a competition, that throws a monkey wrench in it. You know, you're in the middle of trying to get ready, and somebody comes down with the flu, and kids get you sick. Um, so they made it hard to compete. So recently, it's been we've been lucky enough to have the IBJJF tournaments come to this coast and close to Richmond, Virginia, uh, DC, and Charlotte. So I've done both of those. I'll probably do both of those again this year. So pro- anymore, it's just those two. So I can, I'm competing about twice a year. Right. Um, so yeah, I've lost track. You know, the Nagas used to be around, and all those, and Grappler's Quest. And if they were in a decent drop, you know, if I could get to them, I'd go. So, um, but that was definitely at more at blue and purple belt. Okay. Yeah. Um, do you have for any specific uh, roles or organizations for competing in uh, outside IBJJF? So anything like any particular sub only sub only points only? I've never done a sub only. I'd like to. I'd like to. Um, I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. Um, whatever the rules are is what they are. So gi, no gi, sub only. Um, I may have done one sub only. I can't. If, if it, at most it's been one, but I don't have a preference. It's whatever you know. Yeah. It's just, you know, sign up. It's what's tournaments closer. So I will say that I prefer IBJJF <laughs> tournaments um, just because they're run so well. Mm. You know, if your division's yeah. supposed to start at three, it's going to start pretty close to three. When they call you into the bullpen, you're usually going pretty close from there. So it's not that you're supposed to go at three, you warm up, you know, an hour later, you still haven't gone, you've fallen asleep twice, warmed up eight more times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's less of that. So 
it's not really the rules that um, that I, that I like. It's it's, a, it's so well run, and I'm sure there's other tournaments I haven't done that are <clears> run just as well. Um, but that one, it, it, I, I prefer the IBJJF ones. The competition's great. There's people there your age and your skill level, so you know you can do that. And also, it's run really, really well. So I've enjoyed those over the past. What have they been coming to Charlotte two years two or so? Years, yeah, yeah years. to the past two years. So, yeah. Um, so, um, since I do know you teach. I've come to a couple of your classes. What was it like uh, transitioning from training in BJJ to, uh, to teaching BJJ? That's been my goal um, as a black belt because I don't compete as much. And, you know, we all – the guys competing and winning now, I mean, man, it's probably a full-time job. You know, that's that's how they're doing that. And, and I have a job and a family. So that's that's not my goal. So I've transitioned my goals in becoming a, a teacher. Now, I teach once a week. Right now for Chris at Top Game, and that's been really, really difficult. Uh, I'm not a natural teacher. I'm not patient. Um, and so teaching the beginner's class, you know, I love, like, blue belt and up is beautiful. You know, you can show them stuff, and, and they got it, and they're, they're with you, and they're running along. But, you know, you forget that guys walking through the door have no reference point, um, have no background in it. Um, so it's been a struggle to – I come in and I'm already, you know, halfway through the series and I forget, man, they've – they I've got to back way up and yeah. you've got to give them the hand positions and, and, you know, them switching their weight and all that. So I've en- I've learned to enjoy it because it makes you a much better uh, – much better at jiu-jitsu because you get really, really detailed and you focus on stuff you probably wouldn't, you know, or yeah. you wouldn't have to. You just start to run through things. Um, but, but so that, that's been a big adjustment for me learning how to do that. Yeah, but I've really enjoyed it. And, and again, it makes you, it makes you better at jujitsu. So. All right. So, um, while you're teaching, how do you come up with a, a plan of action for the class for that day? Mm-hmm. So how do, you, how do you come up with that? Yeah. So every day I walk in every class that I walk into, I have a plan. Um, nine times out of 10, I can execute that plan. If not, it's because the, some nights you guys have all been to my class. Some nights it's all higher belts. You know, and I had some basic stuff planned because it's supposed to be a basics class. Mm-hmm. Um, if that happens, I'll throw it out the window and we'll kind of just, you know, regroup and figure out, you know, what's going on. But what I do is two things. I base it on uh, what Chris is teaching. So if, if he kind of inspires me, what he's doing, I'll go off that. If I have a different angle, if he just showed something that I haven't, you know, we, we haven't been over in a long time, I'll, I'll do that. And I'll put my own twist on it or go a little further with it. Um, outside of that, I watch people rolling, especially all the new guys, and seeing where they're messing up, right. seeing what they're not doing. Um, I make note of that, and then I go and I try to teach to that. So I kind of just look for holes in the white belt's game. And then there's a lot, but just the fundamental things that they're not doing. Okay. Um, and then sometimes I just like to get on a kick, you know, just for some fun stuff. Recently we've done uh, my plan of action over the last couple months has been leg locks. And we talked about just doing the fun, fundamentals of the leg locks. So if you want to go off down that rabbit hole, you can. I'm going to give you the basics to build off of. Um, probably this week or next we'll go into uh, wrist locks. Okay. Same thing, just the basics. And if you don't like it, fine, at least you know the basics. But if you really like it and want to go down that rabbit hole, you have the framework to do so. So, yeah, it's just I look for what people need and, uh, and then sometimes just what's kind of fun to do for a little bit. Right. Um, so what advice do you like to convey when you're teaching uh, the most? Like, uh, like uh, what kind of advice or how do you say, hey, this is what you're doing wrong? How do you like to get that board across to, to a new student? Just go up to them and, you know, just 
tell them to back it up. You know, usually they're halfway through it and the mistake was 20 seconds ago. So just rewind the whole position and, and start from the very beginning and walk them through it. And uh, just give them more and more detail and, and help them through the position. And it's just reps, you know. So you just make sure they're doing it right, getting the reps in. Um, and just tell them what they're doing wrong directly and show them the right way. So it's not with a wooden ruler on the back of the knuckles? Not usually, no. Okay. No, no, that's a good idea. A couple who could use that. <laughs> there are. There are. Um, I think we all could use that, though, from time to yeah, time. Every time again. You do something dumb and you go, that was really dumb. I know Kurt Osander walks around with a wooden training sword. <laughs> but that guy's, that guy's fucking crazy, though. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's out of his mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess the one... The one question that I wanted to start off with, I guess, is more important than any of the other questions we have. How do you keep your hair so perfect even while you're <laughs> Because – It's a good defensive just, tactic. If your hair gets messed up, they've had head control too much. Why is your hair that messed up? Maybe the front's a little messed up because you, you know, had to grind your face to move an arm around or something. But man, they shouldn't have that much control of your head. I was going to ask. You know, the product you use must be fantastic. Not at all. It's all the style. It's, it's all head it's, and shoulders. It's, it's, it's all uh, do not let them touch your hair. <laughs> um, but I guess what, one thing really is that uh, kind of a sort of a standard question that a lot of people get asked is, do you have a philosophy you carry with you that jiu-jitsu has taught you or a philosophy you developed on your own after training for so long? Um, that's a, uh, yes, but then now I've got to put it – can I just say yes and we move on? No, yeah. I'm kidding. <laughs> yes, I, yes, I do. You know, I don't – I can't – I've thought about this a lot. Um you know, over the years, because jujitsu changed me, you know, um, and I think it changes a lot of people who dive into it. And I think the way that it, the philosophy that it gives you um, is probably a little bit different, but it, I believe that it just calms you down and, and allows you to go through every situation in life in a more calm manner. You're more relaxed. Um, and for the most part, really bad stuff can happen in life, for sure. But the day-to-day stuff that tends to stress you out, I mean, it's not as bad as getting choked, mm. you know, which you voluntarily go in here and do three to four to mm-hmm. five nights a week. Um, so everything, you know, is that as corny as it sounds to quote Fight Club. Um, and there's a good quote in Fight Club. He talks, you know, once you've been in a fight, the volume on everything else just gets turned down. And I think that's what it is, is it just turns down the volume for the rest of uh, of of your life. So that's kind of the mindset that I think jiu-jitsu gives you um, and, and, and helps a lot of people. Um, philosophy towards jiu-jitsu or um, about jiu-jitsu, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know that I really have one. It's always changing. Yeah. If it is. I got you. Uh, yeah. Of course. So, but that, that's kind of how I've defined the, the positives of jiu-jitsu off the mat. Um, okay. and it's difficult for people who don't train. You know, people ask me about it all the time. I'm like, if you don't train, we can't even begin this no. conversation. Most of the problem I have with it is that people want to ask you really stupid questions. <laughs> yes, you train? yes, yes, absolutely. Could you defeat a kung fu master? And you're like, I, it, I don't know. Probably because yeah, uh, yeah. kung fu is fake. But <laughs> um, do you have? So you you said you got to you got to train with Henzo a few times. Yeah, he was, came in for. Um, I've trained with. I've done two or three seminars with Henzo. Okay, yeah. and you obviously trained with Gustavo, and um, yep. you've gotten to train with. Um, 
Clark, Clark Gracie. Yeah, Igor Gracie. Yeah. Um, um, Gordo. Mm-hmm. Is there anyone in particular who you maybe you haven't had a chance to train with or you want to train with more? Is there someone you really like to follow? Oh, the list is endless. Yeah. I mean, I'm a jiu-jitsu fan. Yeah. Um, for sure. And and more than competing or traveling to other countries, like going to Rio and train, would be fun. I, I'd really like just, I mean, I, to go around and train at certain schools. Mm. Um, yeah, Henzo's for sure. Um, Gustavo's is at the top of the list, but, you know, I can go down there whenever and do so when I have the opportunity. Um, so Gustavo's outside of that, um, going up to Henzo's and training, mm. uh, Marcelo's, all the Shaolin in New York, um, all those schools, Danaher, getting to train. I knew you were going to say Danaher. I yeah. knew you were going to say him. <laughs> and then, man, I mean, just going out to San Diego and, and you know, making that trip, Crohn's and, mm-hmm. and L.A. Um, and Mendez Brothers and Half School in San Francisco with Half and Kurt. That would be at the top of my list, but I could go on for a long time. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, so, yeah, I'm a fan of jiu-jitsu and training at other schools. The limited times I've done it, it's always been fun and I mm-hmm. enjoy it. Yeah. Um, so I like to do that a lot. I'd like to one day, you know, take a month long trip and just train a bunch of places. Definitely. Yeah. I'd so. love to go to AOJ. I got a buddy of mine who trains there and he loves it out there. Oh, absolutely. Loves AOJ. Yeah. Yeah. And they cross train at Atos mm-hmm. with, with, uh, Andre Galvao. Yeah. So. Cause they're under the, under Atos. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. And Atos would be a heck of a school. Oh yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It would be, um. The list is long, but that would probably be where I'd start. So. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, do you have any specific like moments in time when you've been, as long as you've been training, where that really kind of shaped your view on jiu-jitsu itself or anything that – or an experience you had maybe that made you rethink some of the things that you do or some of the things that you believe in the art itself? Technique-wise or kind of just, I, either just like uh, – This is kind of like story time. This kind Yeah, of this is kind of like, like, like a moment where we all go from you. We all get to go, and then what happens? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Unfortunately, no. You know, every time you compete, yes. Mm-hmm. Every time you compete, win or lose, you learn a ton, and that's the value of competition. Yeah. I think one day, right, you compete for one day. Um, it's a probably a, gives you about a – bump of a month or two in mm-hmm. training of jiu-jitsu all in one day. I right. mean, really, you walk out of there a better by about a month of training sure. um, from what you've learned, just going through that entire process. So every time I've trained, I've learned stuff other than, you know, way back when, kind of the first time you saw De La Hiva or someone do, doing De La Hiva really, really well mm-hmm. in a competition, um, you know, I remember that. I'm like, oh, man, now I've got to deal with this. Um, I've been dealing with it since then um but no you know nothing that's really really changed the way i think about jujitsu um outside of the techniques and anything like that i like it a lot and i always have and i've there's been times i think everybody goes through times where you're frustrated and you get home and you throw the gi down and you're like fuck this i'm never going back to Mm jujitsu um but thankfully for me, those have never lasted maybe longer than taking a night or two off. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I've had those. And, man, I just start to miss it. I've always missed it when I'm not here. So I've never kind of been one of those people that's um, vastly changed my ideas or my philosophy of jiu-jitsu or what it means gotcha. to me. Yeah, it's just I've always said the day I don't like it's the day I'll quit um, mm. or, you know, have a different thought about it. But it's always just – been a passion and a love of mine. So. Sure. Yeah, so I always just show up and come, and that's the way it's been going. Yeah. 
Yeah. Do you have any current goals uh, that you want to enact with your training or anything in the future that you're looking towards with it? Yeah, I'll do the IBJJF tournaments, which I think the DC one is in April. Mm-hmm. So we'll start gearing up for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've got goals that I'll kind of set out related to that that kind of just starting to think about, mm-hmm. um, you know, what I want to do, how do I want to perform. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the competition always makes me set goals. Yeah. That's why I do them. Anything long term? Long term, um, stay healthy and keep training. Yeah. You know, and I'm always working on different things. Right. So that's, I always have small goals, you know, uh, different. Right now I'm working on, like we talked about, leg locks and a De La Hiva pass. Um, so, and then once I kind of get those to a certain level, yeah. I'll figure something else out. Long-term goals, no. I'd like to travel and train at different academies. I'd like to get down. I'd like to get to San Diego and Brazil mm-hmm. in the next five years. Mm-hmm. Um, but with my jiu-jitsu, no. I think that would all revolve, revolve around competition. Gotcha. And um, I'm probably not going to go out to the Pan Ams of the world and train ever. Mm-hmm. I just, I'd rather go out there and go to academies and train. Sure. And do local tournaments. Um, so I really don't have goals like that anymore. So my long-term goal is to stay healthy and be here as much as I can. Let's go ahead and do it. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. So I was thinking like there's some people who always are kind of like, well, like maybe one day I'd like to open my own academy or something like that along those lines. And not everyone has that. I don't have that, that at all. Yeah. At all. Yeah. Like, owning an academy seems like a huge pain in the ass. <laughs> and, I watch, <laughs> and I watch Chris do it and everything he's got to do. Um, and, you know, the thoughts cross my mind, not so much of, man, I'd like to open up academy as much as um, – if you did this to an academy, that look, man, that'd make like you see a space for rent, right? And you're like, man, that'd make a really good jujitsu academy, or man, you could do this at a jujitsu academy. Wouldn't it be cool if you had a jujitsu academy with a grill in the back and park benches and people could hang out? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have those thoughts, but yeah, opening up academy just seems like I've never want to do anything that makes me not take takes away from my training. You know, sure. jujitsu's. Um, a selfish hobby for me. Mm-hmm. So, and that's probably the reason I don't like teaching too much. Mm-hmm. I want to walk through the door and do what I need to do and the stuff I want to work on mm-hmm. and train really hard and roll with, you know, all the guys I want to roll with and leave. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and, you know, sorry, but, you know, you give a lot to other things in your life. Jiu-jitsu something, uh, you know, I'm kind of selfish about. Oh, so, yeah. No, yeah. I, I think anybody yeah. would. Yeah, yeah. so no, you know, I, I really, I mean, really, when I think about jiu-jitsu, where do I want to be in five and ten years? Uh, I want to be competing a couple times a year. I want to be healthy and I want to be training. So, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. yeah. So. All good, all good habits, I think, to keep yeah. to keep up with. Yeah, I'm absolutely. slowly trying to get back into it, but it's it's a challenge when you're trying to do 13 things at once, get your life started all over again. You know, so. yeah, life gives you you know, there's peaks and valleys with your training, and there's valleys when everything else is a peak. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, one guy gave me advice one time. He said, uh, you know, just train once a week. When things get really, really busy, just go in once a week for a little bit. I mean, this is like the last ditch effort. Do that for a while because you don't want to be the guy. We've all run into those guys. I'll tell you what's really bad is when you get your black belt and you run into some guy that was a blue belt or a purple belt with you out around town. Mm-hmm. And he's like, so you still train? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm in there as much as I can. How's it going? The same, man. And you know what belt are you? Oh, I've been a black belt for about a year now. <laughs> and then you see the thought coming to their head. 
oh man, if I had stuck with it, I would have been a black belt. <laughs> and I've seen that like a couple times. Just the look come across. Yeah, face. the realization they go, oh man. And uh, so you know, yeah, life gets busy for sure. But just you know, just keep coming. Come once a week for a little while, and plenty of people quit. It's not for everybody. And you know, I've been fortunate that my life's been pretty steady. I've been able to keep training, so stuff happens. But right, yeah, for sure. But you'll be back. I know I will be. You will be. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody have anything else? So, yeah. um, Any other just so open this, this one of my favorite places I like to ask anybody uh, we, we have on our podcast is if you can build your own jujitsu Mount Rushmore. Yeah. Would be on, your uh, on your BJJ Mount Rushmore. How many faces do I get on it? Four. Four? Okay. Yeah, okay. So I got to stick with four. All right. Um, Elio Gracie, Carlos. Now it's going to get hard, right? Yeah. Um, You've got to put Hickson on there. Yeah, and I was going to say Hickson. You got to have Hickson, and you got to have Henza. For me, Mount Gracie. Yeah, there we Grayson. go. Sorry, <laughs> so maybe I should put someone else not a Gracie, but uh, no, I think that's going to be it, man. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So those are you could have worse choices than that, I think. Yeah, there's I probably mean, maybe some. You know, it depends on your style and how you came up, mm-hmm. and all that that would change that for sure. But that would be mine. Those are the guys. You know, the first two because they. They started this stuff. Oh, yeah. At least the way we found out about it. Um, so you've got to give it up to Elio and Carlos. And then Henzo and, and, and Hickson. They've yeah. got to be on there. So, yeah. Now, how much do you keep up with, like, the jiu-jitsu competitions that they, you know, the layer on the internet? And is there anybody in particular that you like watching? Yeah, I keep <laughs> up as much as I can. And, man, flow grappling is such a cool thing, but... You've got flow grappling and then a UFC every other weekend now. Mm-hmm. It's a lot to keep up with. Um, so I've kind of I kind of go back and forth. You know, I kind of get into the UFC because I love the UFC. I like to see jujitsu in a combat setting for sure. Um, so I'll go to the UFC for a little while, start watching that, fall off of the jujitsu competition scene. Then I'll go back to the jujitsu competition scene. You know, geek out on. You know what? Whoever's doing a competition, and the UFC kind of falls off. So at any given time, I'm watching more than the other. But I've, I've always enjoyed uh, watching competitive jujitsu and then also jujitsu um, in MMA. Favorites, um, man, um, Luke Rockhold who fights tonight. It's one of my favorites um, in the UFC. I like him. Uh, Jacques Array, of course. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, obviously. Um, Damian Maia, and all those are probably for obvious reasons. If you, yeah, of <laughs> if you, you know jujitsu. Um, so in MMA, it's them, and then in comp and uh, competitive jujitsu, it's kind of all over the board. Crone, when he was fighting, was definitely my favorite for sure. I was just absolutely amazed how this guy never pulled any guard other than full closed guard um, and beat. You know, high-level guys just effortlessly. Hodger, of course, who isn't competing that much. Buchecha, um, the Mendez brothers, Cabrina. And then, you know, you always find somebody you're watching. You're like, who's this guy just tearing it up? Um, so, yeah, I'm just I'm just a fan. But those are my top guys in, you, in, the, in, uh, in all those different arts. So, okay. awesome. yeah. <laughs> I got nothing. I mean, it, you expanded upon a lot, yeah, in a very short amount of time, which is impressive. Thank you. <laughs> That's what I came to do. <laughs> um, 
Did you tell us more about, because you're the first person we really talked to on here as far as who's incorporated yoga, supplementing their training. Oh, yeah. So just a little bit more because you do the hothouse yoga mm-hmm. and maybe just kind of explain what you do for that as far as the classes and then compare it to what you do on your own time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so – yeah, and, and a good person to get on here, you guys know that, would be uh, Jimmy Axe, yeah. um, and he can go into all that. But they've, you know, just kind of, the major hot yoga place, I think, is probably Bikram Yoga, um, but the Hot House in Richmond, Hot House Yoga completely puts that to shame for, for a lot of different reasons. Um, so that's my preferred, that's the only place I go when I get to go um, into a studio, is Hot House Yoga. Um, and, and I like that because it's the sequence. I really enjoy the sequence. I like the setup of it and I won't get into too much geeking out on that, but also their, their heating system, the way they do that actually really important, um, because the air is, it's, it's hot, but it's always moving. It's moist. There's moisture in it. Um, so it's a great, great place. I can't get in there too much. Um, but I, I'd like to get in there. My ideal setup is to be in here you know, as much as I, every day that I can. And I try to get in there about twice a week would be ideal. Um, that hasn't happened in a long, long time. So I get in the hot house whenever I can and do their sequence. I like the stability more than the flow classes. So the difference between those two, the stability, you're just kind of holding the poses a little longer. Um, I think there's a little bit more of a strength element um, and it just fe- a little more therapeutic in my opinion. I know people got a preference and that's fine. But for me, the stability classes work really, really well, um, for jujitsu and it doesn't tear you down as much as the flow classes might if you're doing jujitsu a lot. Um, so when I'm, when I do it at home, I've got my own little variation, um, that I've kind of just put together of favorite things that work the best for me. So, you know, what's going on with me is probably what's going on with a lot of jujitsu people, um, is, you know, you're scrunched over in your hobby where, you know, scrunched over under guys all the time or their backs are just getting folded constantly. Um, when I'm not in here, I'm at work and I have a desk job for the most part. So I'm sitting at a desk kind of hunched over there too. So I think yoga is a good opportunity to kind of stretch all that out, get all those bad posture habits out, um, keep everything loose, keep everything where it should be with the spine, the joints, um, and then I don't consider myself very flexible and I don't want to do yoga enough to get too flexible. Actually. Um, I think you should be a little bit tight, um, for jujitsu. So I don't want to get really flexible, but it just keeps all the joints healthy, keeps you in good posture, teach you good movements and mechanics and keeps you healthy for jujitsu allows you to get in here. Um, so I, I think that it not only is injury preven- prevention, but if I've got anything kinked, you know, my neck, my lower back, my shoulder. You can go into a hot yoga class and it, it pretty much will usually fix it for me. Um, so that's why I enjoy it a lot. It, it, it keeps me on the mats a lot and, um, and and any injuries I have, I feel like it just makes them better, you know, within a class or two. So they're very complementary of okay. each other. Yeah. So It seems like they would be. Yeah. I've done a couple hot house yoga classes there. It's nice. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so, Absolutely. 
Um, when you're when you're getting ready for competition, how do you alter your diet? So like, mm-hmm. I'm the foodie out of us three. How so much say foodie as much as you food. just like eating? I love food. period inhaling inhaling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What what? How do you alter your dieting for a competition versus normal when you're out of comp? Well, I'm fortunate in two ways. One, I'm a pretty small guy. You know, I walk around about 155. So where am I going to fight? It depends on the competition. You know, is it right there? Then I'm good to go. Um, and usually I don't have – I eat pretty healthy too. I, I just always have. Um, so I don't fluctuate too much in my weight. So fortunately, by stepping up my training, even if I have to be 149, 150, something like that, right. I've never fought much below that or competed much below you know, one, you know, anything above 145. Probably the act of getting ready for the competition will, will cut the weight off of me, and I don't have to alter my diet that much at all. The only thing that I will do is I keep carbs uh, fairly low. I'm not, I don't do like a ketogenic diet or all protein or anything like that, but I try to eat lean meats, fruits, and vegetables, not a lot of grains and stuff like that. Um, about a week or two out from a competition, I'll actually put those in my diet at a pretty high level. It just makes me feel really good. I have a lot more energy doing that when I'm not used to it. So I don't make drastic changes to it at all, at all. But again, I've been fortunate enough that being small, I don't have a lot to go down. Right. There's not that many weight classes below. And if I were to cut down, there's probably not going to be anybody there. Right. So I pretty much just stay right where I am and, and stay par for the course um, and try not to change too many things because you don't know how you're going to react to it. So no big changes in it. I wonder if it's bad that I'm like four inches taller than you are and I'm about five pounds lighter than you are. <laughs> I wonder how much wonder how much of a differentiation in weight height High height to weight ratio that is. That's a bit of a that's a yeah. bit of a snack. Because it's weird because whenever I've competed, it's always been in lighter weights just because I've always had a ta- hard time gaining any weight. I've just got always had that high metabolism. You're so tall for that weight class. I know. It's weird. And yeah. then I get to these see these guys who are like your height, maybe yeah. a little bit shorter, maybe only like an inch taller or yeah. so. And I'm looking at them going, there's no way these guys are 150 pounds. Yeah. They're they're huge. Yeah. They're absolutely just jacked. And it's insane to think that that small of a human being can put on that much muscle uh-huh. in that short amount of time or yeah. however long they've been. Yeah. Yeah. You're really tall for that weight class for sure. <laughs> so, yeah, usually, you know, that weight class is that we all are about, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, about and the same size. I'm not sure if it's a disadvantage or an advantage. I yeah. definitely know guys like shorter, like shorter guys in that around that area. You definitely should be able to move quicker than me. Yeah, yeah, maybe, but yeah, you got those long legs and stuff. We got to get around. That's so. true. Yeah. So. so, so we talk a lot about the UFC on here. Yeah. If, if you've been listening to our last podcast, we've kind of been bitching a lot about the stuff that they do. Just kind of because you've been watching it too. What are your thoughts on how the UFC has been operating lately with the matchups they've been putting together and? Other issues here and there, so which is you know part of my intro was calling out people that we've been calling out fairly regularly for the way they've been operating. Like yeah, Dana White and John Jones, and you know what are y'all's major complaints or gripes with them? Tell me, like <laughs> uh, <laughs> inform me. Wow, I might not how, much, how much extra time you got? Um, inform me. So, at all. I mean, obviously, there's been uh, a lot of the fights they've been actually making lately are more business based rather than yeah. who truly deserves it. That's been a big gripe of ours. Um, and of course, Car. fires with drug testing problems mm-hmm. and, and you know, so all just these. Pop, just pop positive again. 
Who did? John? Anderson Silva. Yeah. He just popped positive? He popped positive again. Anderson Silva did. I was the same. I think it was the same drug test they said they popped for. They just released what he actually got popped Mm, for. And mm. he actually got popped for two substances. So his suspension, if he gets suspended, is going to be a lot more severe than it was from his last one. And not just not just not just like people popping positive, but also like they've what Joe said more business fights. They're doing more interim championship fights, and I'm like, that's not how you do a fight for a number one contender spot mm-hmm. for a, for a championship. If you put too many belts out there, it's kind of like it diminishes it diminishes the actual meaningness behind someone who's already a champion in their weight division. Yeah, you don't see too. Now I will say this: you don't see too many interim championship fights for the flyweight division. <laughs> no, against Demetrius Johnson. Yeah, Demetrius just stay he. That dude knows how to stay healthy, man. Pretty much. Oh, yeah. He's phenomenal. He's such a good fighter. But how about this? Since you all agree, and I agree with you, but I'll play the devil's advocate. How about that? Okay. No, I like that. Yeah. I do that on occasion. Because I think I can do it. Um, But (laughs) uh, but we'll see how well I do. Um, You know, but here's the deal. So, one, I think you got two things with with where the UFC's headed and what they're doing. And it's all based on money, right? Mm. Right? And... What are they supposed to do? So you've got the fighters. You've got Conor McGregor, who may get, be getting fights he doesn't deserve. Would we agree on that? Yep. Okay. Yeah, in some cases. All right. So yeah. So yeah. In some cases, Conor gets fights he doesn't deserve. But Conor, like Chael Sonnen, should get those fights based on the tickets that he's selling, on his actions, and what he's doing. And then Conor should do that for Conor. If you were in Conor's shoes, you're like. Beautiful. I mean, how much money has he made? Yeah. You know, so he's set. So that was financially a smart move for him and his family. And then, so let's take him, for example, for Dana in the UFC or whoever is making money off his fight, if you talk about the boxing one. I don't think in my office, I've, there's like two UFC fans in the whole place, right? So they always, we always talk about fights. Outside of that, Conor McGregor fighting is the only time completely random people are just in my door. Hey, do you know about uh, Conor McGregor? (laughs) Yeah, I do. In the UFC, right? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, what do you think about his boxing match or who's he going to fight next? I'm like, who? why is this person talking about Conor McGregor to me all (laughs) the time? Do you even work in this building? (laughs) Yeah, it's like, so they've opened it up. Sure, we would like very different fights than what the UFC is doing, for sure, everybody at this table. Mm -hmm. And the guys who train and maybe just guys who don't train are super fans, I don't know. People who understand it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, maybe they want the same fights we do, but maybe it's just the people who train. I don't know, but it's certainly a smaller group. Mm -hmm. So you're kind of like, you know, what what's Dana and Connor and company supposed to do? Maybe I'd do the same in their shoes, right? I can't necessarily disagree with that because these two were making a point to me that at one point, now this is, correct me if I'm wrong, between the two of you, that you guys were saying that you didn't think it was right the way that they were marketing uh, Demetrius Johnson. Yeah, I but think that was, yeah, that we were making that you, yeah. But my whole thing behind it was that, they offered him a fight with TJ Dillashaw at first, yeah. and at first he wasn't going to do it. He was like, no, I want to fight Ray Borg. Right. Well, no disrespect to Ray Borg. I'm sure the guy's great, but that's, he's, not, that's not a money fight. And it's, it's not a, a name. Mm-hmm. It's a business at the end of the day. It's yeah. not a name, but, I mean, the, the whole thing with the Dillashaw fight, correct me if I'm wrong, was uh, basically he was he wanted he wanted to fight Dillashaw, but the thing was Dillashaw's never fought out 25. Dillashaw said he can make 25, but yeah, I think it's what's right. the point if true. he – you know, he's, he's getting all prepped for all this, this fight, and Dillashaw misses weight. So you just spent 
two, three months, however long your fight yeah, cap is. Yeah, but... Getting ready for a fight that's now that's meaningless for your, for your title. Yeah. It, it, like we have tonight. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But my, 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 old, my old thing, I guess, with it was just the fact that, you know, and Dana White made a point of saying this to, to DJ, was that like, all right, you got you want the Ray Borg fight? You got the Ray Borg fight. But if it doesn't sell... Like you think it's going to, or like you think it should, or you don't get the money you think you deserve from it, don't complain. Yeah. Because we offered you a big name fight before this, and you said no. Yeah. I think really what it was maybe worse for Demetrius Johnson was that he wanted the the record of most title defenses. Yeah. Well, yeah. He really, That's I think he, part of his legacy is that he's the longest reigning champion. And he's, yeah. and he fin- and unlike every other division. weight class, he finishes majority of all his title fights. This is true. Finishes majority of them, like 85% finishes. His title fight, either submission or knocked out. And then the last time he went to decision, the title fight was yeah, Tim Elliott. Tim Elliott. That was actually somebody I think you took in the distance, like a little bit more than he was expecting. That was probably uh, probably his toughest competition as far as uh, yeah. title defense. So because Elliott looked good in that fight. So, yeah, that was surprising to me. So, but of course, Elliott's been kind of downhill since that. CBP. You would have against the best day. in the world. You're not getting any better than that. Who in the UFC fights anybody they put in front of them, though? I mean, who are those guys? That is a good question. Who are those guys? Oh. I can think of the old... I like Henzo's going to fight. Yeah, right? Sakuraba. Henzo fights Sakuraba. Henzo's an old school guy. He'll fight anybody they put in front of him, you know, and yeah. what happened. I mean, did. But who today does that? Matt, I mean, there's Matt still, Brown. A lot of them are yeah. like, you know, a lot of the, unfortunately, a lot of the top tier guys who are champions or Don't. contenders, they they specifically call out that they want those big fights. Exactly, and it's everybody underneath them yes. are the ones who are still saying, oh, "I'll fight whoever they put in front of me." That's why the know? undercards are usually, well, not usually, sometimes, maybe usually, the better fights. Yeah, sometimes, yeah, yeah. You know, I'll tell you one guy who actually I think still is currently fine that I think is kind of a bring on whoever it is you know you put in front of me is uh, Cowboy. Cowboy story. Mm, I right. really oh, yeah. honestly think that. Yeah, he's always been that way. Yeah, Cowboy's just, I mean, he took, how many fights did he fight in lightweight before he finally made the move up to welterweight? And he was just like, somebody was like, oh, crap, I don't have anybody to fight this person. He's like, let me have it. Like, Cowboy, you just fought. Let me have it. Like, well, he, yeah, he went for a run like four fights. That yeah. was just, I mean, he was on like four, three or four consecutive cards or fairly yeah. consecutive yeah. cards. Yeah. And he was always winning. Yeah. Is the thing. He wasn't, he, some of those fights too weren't even close. But, he was making it look easy. Yeah, but point being, those guys, you know, are they, they're probably not the ones making the money. No. And sure. I, maybe there is something to be said, too, about guys who, you know, are big names who do say, well, I don't want to fight him. I want to fight this person instead. Maybe there is something to be said about it. Maybe there's something behind it that. Well, you look at uh, Tyron Woodley, welterweight champ. Yeah. He, you know, he wants to fight like, you know. George St. Pierre or Nick Diaz or Nate Diaz. Money fights. Because there'll be money fights when, meanwhile, and actually Dana White is even nice enough to say this, that no, uh, Rafael Dos Anjos right now is the number one contender. You should be fighting him. Yes. Which is the fight we want to see at this table. Personally, yes. Absolutely. But that's not the money fight. But that is the better fight. Mm -hmm. That's the better fight. I think if when they fight, uh, I think Rafael is going to expose a lot of Tyron Woodley's game, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. Tyron likes to back up against the cage, and that's not going to play too well for him. That's just my yeah, opinion. And it's weird because you look at Woodley's last two fights where he fought, fought um, Damian Maya. So, well, between Damian Maya and then uh, Stephen Thompson, yeah. you know, he didn't exactly look stellar. You know, why shouldn't he be calling the shots just because he's a champion when you're not a very entertaining fighter as it is? And no. not really one of their better 
selling champions right now as far as events. No, not at all. I mean, Woodley, Woodley, I think, could be exciting, but he's constantly on this. I think, honestly, too, it's just luck of the draw. He just gets people he, that get put in front of him that's like, these guys aren't going to be bangers. Yeah. Stephen, Stephen Thompson, all the credit in the world for how good he is. He's not a... He wouldn't engage. He's not a hype guy. Mm-hmm. And Damian Maya, we know what his game plan is. He's a guy that wants to struggle snuggle with you. Yeah. But the problem is, is that Tyrone has got some of the best wrestling in the welterweight division. He's a great wrestler. Yeah. And sure. he, and of course he knew that Damien was going to be trying to put it to the ground. Cause that's, that's yeah. what Damien does. Yeah. That's I mean, his game plan yeah, is. I don't fault his style. Cause Hey, he became champion. You want to keep that. Damien I mean, yeah. as absolutely. Can, so. that, that's a lot, lucky knockout of uh, Robbie Lawler though. I, mean, I wouldn't call it. I don't know if I call it, it luck. It's a freak shot, man. It was like, a freak shot. Yeah, I don't. I think he. I think he. He definitely laid. He, he threw the punch that he definitely intended to throw. I just maybe he just it caught Robbie in a way that Robbie wasn't expecting it to land. Yeah, but Robbie's also been knocked out a lot and has been in a ton of fights. Of course, but you know, yeah, no, he's, he's no disrespect real, to that guy though. Yeah, but he's and a that's real another guy that'll fight anybody. It's Robbie Lawler. Yeah, I think yeah. you're right about that. Probably. I think you're right about that. Um, yeah. I think Stipe is the same way in the heavyweight division right now. I know that he just got done beating the pants off of Francis Ngannou, but and from what I didn't see the fight, but from what I understand, What's he made Ngannou like an amateur. Was, well, yeah, Ngannou, I don't think was ready for, was really prepared for that fight. No, nah. he's like he's it. had some little weaknesses they showed early in his career that I think Stipe kind of. Took advantage to him, of like as far as like out grappling him and just yeah. being stronger than you know than him and keeping him from working that stand up yeah. game that Ngani's been good at. So I think the heavyweight division though is in kind of a limbo because who else you got left to fight Stipe who hasn't already fought him? Yeah. Kane if Kane's healthy again. So um, yeah, that's why. I mean, it's weird because now they're doing you know because something else we complain about is holding up divisions with doing you know yeah. champion from another division stepping up but they're setting up you know <clears throat> Stipe fighting uh, DC Daniel Cormier and I'm actually okay with that one cuz realistically I don't see a clear cut contender that would make for a more interesting match you know other than you know DC could fight uh Alexander Gustafson again which would be okay I mean they had a pretty good first fight but Gustafson's been so inactive as of late that you know nah, I, I would give him another fight before he should even get a title shot. No, no, that's a good point to make. But yeah, I think and then the same thing with the heavyweight division is, yeah, you got Velasquez, but he's got to stay healthy first. And again, it's been you know a while since he last fought. His last fight was my boy Kane's going to be healthy one of know, these decades. Yeah, <laughs> and his last fight was kicking the shit out of Travis Brown, who deserves it every time he steps in the of cage. Anyway, <laughs> so, yeah, I think he's in the lawsuit too against us, right? Yeah, yeah, he is. <laughs> is he? Was he? I was, I was gonna I, say there's that. so many of them. <laughs> um, if you could take any particular jujitsu practitioner and put them in the world of MMA, who would you want to see go into MMA? He's done it before, but Galval. Galval? Yeah, 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 he has. But man, and Marcelo too. I know my my picks have done it and not you know had great success. Marcelo got robbed. <laughs> yeah, Marcelo <laughs> got robbed in that. Fight. But you kind of just want to. Um, you kind of just. Want him to give it a good go, you know. Hodger did so that you know, and then Crohn's in there now. I wish more than anything, I wish he would fight more in uh, what's that division he's in? Uh, he's in Ryzen. Ryzen. Thank you. I wish he'd fight more frequently in that, and then eventually come over to the UFC. But I don't think that's his plan. I don't think he wants to. He's, he doesn't seem all that into it. He said on a podcast with Eddie Bravo. Um, 
in addition to saying the world was flat, the earth was flat. <laughs> um, that, that uh, I, I, I was heartbroken. Oh my, oh, oh my God. It was so depressing to hear him say that. It's like that. a horror movie. It's like, uh, it's like watching a car crash. Uh, <laughs> anyhow, but uh, yeah, he talked about it. He didn't really like it. You know, fighting MMA is just, I mean, it's probably really, really rough, but just he didn't like it. So I don't know if he'll, he's kind of talking like he might not do that again. I wouldn't. I wouldn't fault him for it. No, he's, he's had got, what three? Yeah, yeah. Three he's buddies. got great. He's got a great, you know, presence in the jiu-jitsu community. Oh, Plus, absolutely. He can he, he can fight anyone in jiu-jitsu, a jiu-jitsu competition and be like, "Did you see who Kron's fighting next?" Yeah, like you could probably have that be more exciting than him stepping into the octagon. Yeah, I, I would say. I will say. I think one guy who is on the fence about it, he keeps rocking back and forth whether or not he's going to make an MMA debut is Gary Tonin. That I'd love to see. Yeah, I, I think would, he is. He is making yeah, it. Yeah. It, I think it isn't the same, isn't it the same organization, or is it 1FC that he's got? Uh, I, think I think it's 1FC. Yeah, so he's choosing 1FC. That's a good, any of Danaher's guys would be phenomenal yeah. to see an MMA. So but Gary Tonin, I think, for a while had been talking about doing it, and he finally decided to do it, because I think 1FC was one of the few organizations that, in addition to like what Bellator does, they'll put a kickboxing fight Mm-hmm. When there's no MMA going on for the moment, they'll put on a grappling match. Yeah. When there's no MMA fight happening mm-hmm. for a minute or two. Yeah. So, because I remember, who did he fight? He fought Shinya Aoki. Shiny pants. Yeah. <laughs> Shiny pants. Shiny pants. Yeah. pants. Um, yeah. But I would like to see how he would do, but I'm also kind of like, he doesn't need to do it. No. He doesn't need to. No. He's exciting. His his fight with Husamar Paul Harris at Polaris 3 was was amazing. Yeah. That's one of my favorite matches to watch. Gordon Ryan would be fun in MMA. Oh, yeah. Um, Vinny Margulesh fought. He actually came up for the Ultimate Fighter. Yeah, that's um, right. He did. He had a short tenure. Yeah, yeah he, he didn't do so hot, though, but he's, you know, he's he, one he guy. He rebounded, and he's, I think he won a couple fights. Did he? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. he was on Mir's team, wasn't he? Um, it was Mir and Noguera. That was the he season. Was, he was on Mir's team, and Mir's then, like, uh, Noguera got on him about something like, yo, if we were back home, You'd be done. Or like <laughs> I remember because they were, yeah, they were bitching at each other in Portuguese. What about female competitors? Do you have any, as far as either jiu-jitsu or MMA, that you've seen that you thought was really impressive? Or Mackenzie Dern, for sure. Yeah, this is submission she's gotten recently. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're like, what in the world? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I always enjoy uh, watching her. Yeah, Me too. She'll begin her UFC debut here real soon. Yeah, so. so I'm very excited for that, too. So, yeah, she's definitely top female that I enjoy watching. Yeah. How about how about Gabby Garcia in the train wreck fights? <laughs> <laughs> That's just... That, poor, that shit in poor. Japan that goes on with their... She weighed 20 pounds overweight. And she, she fought a very old woman. And she did so, fight a very yeah. She and they fought made a her dinosaur. go publicly apologize during the event too. <laughs> like she had to go out to the Gabby ring. did. Or yeah. The, or the, yeah. I, oh, I she thought she did that on her own. No, they ba- they basically told her to go out in the ring, gave her a microphone, and said apologize for what you did. <laughs> that was what they did. <laughs> the Japanese have a very weird thing with public humiliation. <laughs> the fights they put, but it's always been that way. Yeah, you know? they've always kind of had those uh, crazy fights, and we're like, what are they doing? They love it so. I don't know. <laughs> Look, that was a train wreck, man. <laughs> oh, man. I don't get that. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't understand that at all. But that's them. So. Uh, well, guys. All right. So, yeah, that was really that was good. really good. Aaron, yeah. again, thank you. Thank you, guys. Sorry so, I 
been flaking on y'all. Ah, <laughs> it, and, uh, it happens. Yeah. Life's I, in the way. And I appreciate it. Anything um, you want to plug, social media, anything like that? No, nah, man, not at all. Just jujitsu. Go train jujitsu. Find a school wherever you're at and uh, and train, please. Of course. Yeah. So. Then as a tradition for our interview guests that we have, of course – there's only four horsemen of combat sports. Well, three now, but I was going to ask you yeah. about that. But it's we'll like three and a half lopsided. Okay, but right. we make our interview guests honorary members of the four horsemen of oh, combat cool. sports, and you get to care represent oh, nice. our logo. So, thank you guys. We've done t-shirts in the past, and now we have patches that you I can like put it. on your geese. So there you, you know, go. Now you can represent us. I like it. So and tell your friends about the podcast and everything because we always want new listeners. There you <laughs> go. Well, yeah. Well, thank you guys. Thank you for the patch. Very cool. Um, and I appreciate it. Thank so, you. Yeah. So, guys, once again, I'm Joe. I'm Josh. I'm Brian. I'm Aaron. Aaron, <laughs> thank you for being here. And then, uh, yep, remember, uh, fourhorsemancombatsports.podbean.com is where you can find this episode coming up shortly. So, We're also on the on Facebook, Four Horsemen of Combat Sports. So, and once our director of social media here gets on I'll Twitter, on Twitter or Instagram, or something. Instagram I'll you know, you've been saying that for weeks, <laughs> months. Even. I'm, I'm, you had I'm, one I'm, job. <laughs> But yeah. Hey, podcasts are a lot of work, man. They so are. I feel you. To be fair. Yep. So, all right. We'll see you guys next time.